Amen. Well, I'm going to invite Seth up. Come on up. And uh, yeah, come on up here. And uh, we're going to be reading, if you could grab your Bibles today, uh, same household, you could probably tell. Um, we're going to be reading Matthew 3, 13 to 17. So starting right there, up there. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered to him, Let it be so now, for thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up, up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Thank you, Seth. Oh, I hope you have your Bibles open and, and your Bibles ready today. That's the word of the Lord to us as we continue through Matthew together. Matthew chapter 3, starting at verse 13, and it's the baptism of Jesus. Last week, Ken spoke to the importance of John the Baptist as a fulfillment of the messenger that was to come and prepare Israel to receive their forever king in Jesus. He was... John was baptizing people in the Jordan by the thousands and had this very, to us, very harsh-sounding message, as we looked at last week, as he came to prepare the way for the coming king. Do you remember that message? It was Matthew 3, verse 2. It said, repent, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John was baptizing people in the river for repentance, and that's going to be really important for us to, to remember this morning. John was baptizing people for repentance from sin. People were coming from all over the place to confess their sins and be baptized, and it was actually such a large movement. It was so big that many started to actually wonder if John himself was going to be the Messiah. So this wasn't just some small thing that was happening uh, at the river. This was a, a big thing. And, and people were starting to wonder, is John the Messiah? And yet in the gospel of John, different John, uh, we have this profound declaration that John the Baptist makes as, as Jesus is walking by him as they are by the Jordan. And in John 129, John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so we see there that John is saying, here he is, this guy, this guy is the Messiah. Let's just put these rumors to rest. This guy, Jesus, this is the Lamb of God. This is the Messiah, the one who came to save. And so today, Matthew's just given us, he's just, we just finished, he's given us insight as to what's happening down at the Jordan. And, um, What's happening in the wilderness, his prophetic ministry, it's powerful. And John's holding nothing back. And then Jesus, Jesus comes into this scene here in verse 13. He comes into this scene where there's tons of people coming to be baptized, repenting, and confessing their sins. And Jesus comes in, and he comes to his dear cousin, John, and he comes to be baptized. And John is just like, time out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, this, this, is, not, this is not right time out. I, I can't baptize you. I need to be baptized by you. Are you kidding me, Jesus? And then Matthew records for us, 
which is actually Jesus' first recorded words in Matthew is, well, if you have red letters, it's the first red letters in, in the gospel uh, so far. And, and Jesus says this in verse 15. It says, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. That's a little bit wordy, wasn't it, Seth? Yeah, we practiced that one this morning a little bit. It's, that's a little ESV, wordy, a little bit. So why was John baptizing people? You guys can answer at home out loud. Embarrass yourself or embarrass your kids. Yeah, he was baptizing people for repentance, repentance from sin. And so did Jesus need this baptism? Did he need, did he need to repent from sin? Quickly say no, no, no. He didn't. He really didn't. The Bible makes it really clear. 1 Peter 2.22 says, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. And 1 John 3 verse 5 says, You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. So no, Jesus obviously did not sin according to the Scripture. And if he didn't sin, then there was no need for repentance, and therefore there would be absolutely no need for him to come and be baptized the, for the bapti- baptism that John was doing, according to John, right? That's why John is like, whoa, 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 time out. Like, this isn't right. But why on earth then did he say it was fitting or that it was appropriate? He said, this is actually appropriate that I get baptized. This is, this is a good thing. It's in the line that Jesus says to John, it says, to fulfill all righteousness. To be righteous is to be in a right relationship with God. And there's only two ways to be completely righteous. There's two ways to be righteous. To be in a completely right relationship with a perfect, eternal God. There's two ways to be righteous. You either need to be totally 100% sinless, or you need to be graciously pardoned or forgiven by God himself, which, is, which you actually need a payment in order to happen because we all we all fall far short. Second Corinthians 5:21 says this of Jesus. It says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus Christ, even though he was the eternal God, he humbled himself. He stepped into this broken humanity, experienced it for all that it is, all of its messed upness, and he took on the form of sinful flesh. Jesus took, he he is man. He is, has flesh like you and like me. This is Jesus. And it's only through Jesus, because he did not sin himself, even though he looked like us and was in flesh, he did not sin himself. And then it's only through him that we, we can be righteous. That's crazy because that's the only way is through Jesus Christ, that we will ever be righteous. For we've all sinned. This is crazy. This is crazy good news, right? Remember, Matthew is, is good news. It's the gospel. And so what Jesus was doing as he entered the water and was baptized in a big way, is he was identifying himself with humanity, and he was doing so at an incredibly deep 
an incredibly personal level. He was, he was foreshadowing. He was foreshadowing his death on the cross, the death going under, and the resurrection from the grave. He was foreshadowing this, but he was also stepping into and showing that he was willing to step into the place of sinful humanity, even though he was not there himself. And so his first act, as, as he's coming, this was the beginning of his public ministry. His first act was to actually show exactly the reason that he came. And that's actually a profound thing, that he would bear our sins on himself. He was showing this in his first public act. It says, well, John said, behold the Lamb of God, right? This perfect sacrifice who is coming to take away the sins of the world. This was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And I think that it's profound that the very first thing he does mirrors the whole purpose of his coming. Because he had no personal need of a baptism of repentance, He identified with us, and he went through this process to identify with human brokenness and show exactly what it was that was coming. Even though people, we get to look back and we're like, oh, yes, I get what you were doing there, Jesus. But if we were at the water, this is just a bizarre scene. It's weird. So Jesus began this ministry in this way, and he began by identifying with the very thing that he came to restore humanity's brokenness, and severe lack of righteousness. We lack righteousness. And there's no way any of us can be right with God on our own. Romans 8, 3 to 4, sums this up. It says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, it's us, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. See, we talked about this already. In the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh. So there's a piece of ours here. We who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. We walk according to the spirit. That's good news, right? That's good news that we would be able to walk in the spirit and and receive Jesus' righteousness upon ourselves, even though we don't deserve it. That's amazing. It's the gospel. So Jesus came as a man in the likeness of sinful man. And, and he came as a man, but somehow, well, somehow, he's Jesus, he's God and man. He bent sinful human flesh and made it perfectly obedient to the Father. He made it perfectly obedient to the Father. So Jesus is baptized Jesus is baptized, and he, and he comes out of the water, and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and rests on him. And the Father speaks, and he says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And so we see the Trinity together, and we see the Holy Spirit coming and filling Jesus and anointing him for the ministry that he was about to walk out. And we have this voice from heaven, the Father, that is putting his stamp of approval on his Son. But there's something that I think, I think that in this moment that the Father is incredibly more specific. I mean, obviously he's pleased. It's his one and only Son. It's it's Jesus. But there's something special about this moment. I believe that the Father is so pleased because of Jesus' obedience 
to step into baptism. Because by stepping into baptism, he was identifying with his purpose that he was coming to do on the earth. And the father said, I am pleased. I am pleased with this son who is obeying me, who is stepping into exactly what would lead him to the cross, ultimately, and his death and his resurrection. Jesus was identifying with sinful humanity, even though he was sinless, and this pleased the father. This pleased the father. And Jesus was going to go forward. He was going to go forward with this this plan of redemption, even if it would mean his sacrifice, and it pleased the Father. I think many times we can read about Jesus, and we think of, like, this otherworldly, like, like, if you saw him walking around, like, you would just fall. But that wasn't what was happening in those days. He was a man. He was a man. And he would have looked like you. He would have looked like me. He was a man. There was nothing on the outside that would have said he was anything different. His hometown of Nazareth, they couldn't, they couldn't accept him. They just couldn't believe that there wasn't anything much special about him at all when they looked at him. But it was his character. It was his obedience. And it was his spiritual authority that set him apart. He was fully God, yes, but the word tells us in Philippians 2 that he emptied himself. He emptied himself, though God, to become fully man, that he humbled himself by becoming obedient. Jesus was obedient all the way to the cross. He was obedient all the way to the cross. And so as a man, the likeness of sinful flesh, he bent that flesh into submission to the Father and he obeyed perfectly. This is good news. This is the only man who has ever done this and who ever will do this. This is good news. It's the greatest. It's the greatest because the king has come. The promised king has come, and he has made a way to be righteous. We need righteousness. I think this, this is like a really churchy, religious word, righteous. But, but it's crucial It's crucial for us to get, and it's crucial for us to understand why it matters. To actually be in a right relationship with God. This is why Jesus came, so that you don't have to be your own ruler anymore. You don't have to be king of your life. You don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to try to scrape together to have enough to make your own kingdom work. It's misery, and it only leads to destruction And ultimately, hell. That's where it gets us. Selfish ambition and vain conceit. But now you can be free to live in relationship with the Father because Jesus has fulfilled all righteousness. Because Jesus has done it. Good news, amen? Amen, thank you. (laughs) For a moment, I I want to bring us back to why this is good news in the first place. Has, to, has a lot to do with what John the Baptist was preaching in the wilderness. Because it act, it's actually only, only good news if you respond to it appropriately. Otherwise, what's the point of this good news? And as John shared, and, and as Jesus shared, and the apostles after him, the wrath of God is a very real thing. We looked at that last week. The wrath of God is coming if you do not respond properly, and you will not enter the kingdom. You will not enter the kingdom. So what 
What is our part? What do you do to experience all of this grace, all of this goodness? What is the entrance requirement into the kingdom? What is the entrance requirement? It's repentance. It's true repentance. It's John's message, right? Repent. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, in the next chapter, which we're going to go through in, in just a couple Sundays, he has the exact same message at the forefront of his ministry. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. And Peter, Peter, as the early church was founded in Acts, same thing. Repent. Even after Jesus was risen from the grave and had finished the work, we still need to repent to enter the kingdom. Your heart, your heart, and the life you're living is leading you to a well-deserved destruction if you do not repent. Repentance is like a hard U-turn. You're headed this direction in sin and selfishness and, and building your own kingdom, and you need, to, you need to have a total change of mind and heart and head completely the other direction. You run far from the direction you're going. Repentance is a deep recognition of the evil nature of your sin. We need to actually reckon with the fact that sin is evil and we need to hate it. If we don't hate sin, we need to beg the Holy Spirit to show us what it's all about. Because so many of us, we, we can come, there's a false repentance and we can come and we can say, oh, I'm sorry, Jesus, I want to accept because we believe in Jesus and we believe that he is the only way to heaven. But if we just try to accept that without repenting, without turning to him, we won't hate sin. We'll fall into some, some place of trying to do the do's and don't the don'ts. We'll try to be moral. We'll try to do all the things. But, if, but secretly in our hearts, we look at the sin that we used to do and we love it. And we still want to go and we want to go back to it. But without the Holy Spirit getting a hold of our hearts... And us actually repenting and seeing sin for the evil, vile thing that it is that is destroying you and it is destroying me. And without Jesus and repenting and running away from that and towards Jesus, then we're just going to stay in it. We need, we need repentance to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then John said, bear fruit, right? He said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. There's actually supposed to be something that changes when you repent. It's not just a, I believe in Jesus, and so that's good enough. You pray this prayer, and away you go. No, repentance means a total change in heart attitude and in life trajectory. It's not just an accepting of forgiveness, but a yielding your entire life to King Jesus. And in order to repent, we need soft hearts. We need soft hearts to admit our need of a Savior and to admit the fact that we are flawed and we are broken. We need a change of heart and we need a change of mind. Everyone wants justice, right? Everybody wants justice. We see the kid who's abused or, I mean, listen to the news for a second, uh, people being dehumanized. We want justice for those people, right? 
It's just in us. We want that. We look at those people committing injustice, and we just, like, bring justice to them. Like, ah, give them what they deserve. So often, right? That's what we want. But then the lens turns to you. Then the lens turns to me. And all of a sudden, justice doesn't seem so great. Right? When you, when you think of the evil that is, that is in us, when it's, when it's towards our evil, it doesn't seem, justice doesn't seem so great then, does it? If we're honest, no, it doesn't. That we, we're not as passionate about our own justice in our own lives opposed to others. And in order to see where we are with this, I think it's, it's healthy for us to be honest and to do a little bit of a heart checkup. And so I'm just going to invite you this morning to engage with this and see what the Lord would have for you in this. And I'll just say right away that this can be, this can be really painful, but it is so good. It is good. There is pain and death, but we just saw that there's a resurrection afterwards if you are in Christ. And so... Some of the most painful moments in my life have been reckoning with sin in my life. Some of the most painful moments have been there. But it's also been followed. It's also been followed by the greatest peace and the greatest Holy Spirit power. It's so worth it. So we're going to sincerely do a checkup here this morning. Um, I was going to say do it later, but why not now? Why not right now? There's no better time. Um, so let's do this checkup and just think this for yourself. Lord, would you speak to us? So first question, is your heart numb to sin in any way? Is your heart numb to things that grieve the heart of God? Is your heart resistant to total surrender and repentance? Are there pieces in there that are resistant to repenting? Or is it soft and willing to be broken that the Lord would restore it? And so here's a perfect example of how to check this. Lord, Lord, would you help us to be soft-hearted towards you? Would you help us? A good example is this. We read last week about, about John's rebuke to the Pharisees, the religious leaders who figured they had it all put together. They figured they had it all put together. And I just want you to close your eyes, if you can, and think of this. In Matthew 3, verses 7 to 10, John is speaking to the Pharisees. He says, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. When you hear those words, do you immediately think, oh, those Pharisees, they, they have it coming. Is that your, is that your response? As we read that scripture, is your first response to say, those, those religious people, 
Or do you pause? Or do you pause and ask the Lord, is there any of this in me? Is there any of that in me? Any of that same spirit of religion in my heart? Is there a spirit of religion in my community, my church community? Maybe you've avoided all the don'ts and you've done the do's, but is there any poor motives on your part? Is there any arrogant attitudes towards others? Do we think we have all the answers? But inside, our hearts aren't actually filled with the power of the Holy Spirit like we're supposed to be. Do you truly hate sin or do you still love it and it's just there in the background? Do you hate sin and fight against it or do you compromise? Would you rather fill your head and your heart with with entertainment filled with glorifying things that Jesus died for? Or do you run from that? Do you embrace the peace and the purity of Jesus? Or perhaps you do try to resist the sin on your own strength. But in our hearts, we, we still actually love it and long for the sin and miss it even. Jesus, reveal, reveal the truth of this to us. Church, sin is death. Sin is death and it is killing you and it is killing millions of people and sending them to an eternity without the Father. But there's a better option because Jesus came to fulfill all righteousness. And he came so that in him we could be righteous. But we need to repent. We can't look like the world anymore. We can't. We need to repent. But repentance takes great humility. It takes great humility. And I want to address one specific thing for us today. Could it be, could it be that the same spirit of religion, superiority that the Pharisees had, could it be that that is in us? Are we desperate for Jesus' forgiveness and for the power of the Holy Spirit in the church? Or are we, are we religious for the sake of religion and think we have it together? Are we, are we blind to our desperate need of Jesus? True repentance True repentance is the entrance requirement into the kingdom of heaven. It's the entrance requirement. But then it allows the Lord to be the one to baptize you, as John said, not with water, but to baptize you with the Holy Spirit when you are in that kingdom. To recognize our need and to bow before him as the Holy King. 
Man, you guys, I want to see a, a church move in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe there's much more for us here. I believe there's a lot more for us. I want to see us moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, but the entrance requirement to the kingdom, to the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, is repentance. We can't skip this step. We can't. I want to see us being led by the Spirit to bring others to repentance. I want to see, see us leading others to freedom in the Lord. That we would be people marked by the fruit of the Spirit, bearing the fruit. But we can't do that if we still love sin. We can't do that if we fall into legalistic religion. And we can't do that if we love our own comfort. The, a question is, do, does your life look any different from your non-Christian neighbors? Does it? Does your life look any different? I, I have non-Christian neighbors. They're wonderful people. They're super nice, and I enjoy being around them. They're, they're great people. Is, do you look any different than them? When you come home from work, you've worked a day, is, does that work day look any different than the non-Christian you work with? Do you sit down and watch the same television shows and have the same conversations and do the same things? Or is your life marked with power by the Holy Spirit moving through you? These are just checks for us. If not, perhaps you need to repent and turn away from the path you are going. Our lives should look drastically different. Because true repentance leads to action. It, it, it's an action. Are you more loving, kind, gentle, peaceful, joyful than last week? Are you more so than before you proclaimed Jesus to be your Lord? That's bearing the fruit of repentance. Walking in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Is that, is that building in you, or is the trajectory going the other way? Is it, if you're shrinking in those things, you need to repent, and you need to turn back to Jesus. Is going to church the only marker of, of faith in your life? Repentance is a denial of our self-worship and a turning to Jesus. A running from evil in our hearts. And it's turning towards a total dependence on Jesus. It's a total dependence on Jesus to give us his righteousness. He's the only one that can do this. And it changes us. To use biblical language, we're made new. We're called a new creation. The word tells us also to, to die to ourselves. To die. But the death to self that comes in repentance brings resurrection life. And it's glorious. And it's free. I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm not saying that we're going to be perfect humans. But I am saying that there should be a drastic, noticeable change and a trajectory that is becoming more godly as we go about our lives. In the power of the Holy Spirit. But it requires a change of mind and a change of heart leading to action. To hate sin and to love righteousness. And just so you guys don't think that I'm just preaching and condemning you, this week 
I'm going to be really honest with you. This week is actually hard because it's coming back again. This week, I had to spend time weeping. I had to spend time weeping because of my sin. And I needed to repent. And, and we have to do this often. Oh, we're never done of repenting on things in our hearts. And I confess to you this morning, I confess to you that my heart was very hard to some people this week. I didn't love them. I didn't love them. I didn't do one of the big sins, but I didn't love one of my brothers. I wasn't loving them like I should have. And the Holy Spirit revealed that to me, and I was broken over it. Because it's evil. We need to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. I didn't love them. I, to be honest, I didn't really want to love them. It's inconvenient, and I had other things to do. And I'm sorry. But I repent. I repent. And I, and I also had to go to the person and, and confess to them and, and ask their forgiveness for not loving them well. And it turns out through that process that I actually do love them. Turns out that I actually do love them. In the spirit, I love them. And God did that upon my repentance. Turns out I love them. There's freedom in repentance. There's freedom. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly grief is the kind I had this week. It's painful. Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Don't be afraid of feeling those feelings. Don't be like, ah, oh, I, I, I don't like weeping and crying and feeling bad about my sin. Perhaps that could be the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life to lead you to repentance, to a God who is kind and loving and gentle and wants to save you. And after that repentance has happened, there's no condemnation for anyone who's in Christ Jesus. But that godly grief produces this repentance, and that's a good thing. And it leads to being filled with the power of the Spirit, which is love, joy, and peace. And so at the end of it, when you repent, that's where you get to end up. It's an awesome thing. And this, this place of repentance is where Jesus places his very own righteousness on us. And this is what he was modeling for us in his baptism. He was identifying with our brokenness. With broken humanity itself, though he wasn't broken. And he was looking forward to his death and his resurrection when he sealed the deal once and for all. That in repentance, we find forgiveness because of the work of Jesus on the cross. And in repentance, we ourselves then, we die with Christ. And we are called to repent and be baptized. And when we repent and we're baptized, we're identifying with what Jesus did in dying to ourselves and being raised to new life. And it's going to make a difference. If you have repented, it's going to make a difference in your life. What a grace. Amen? What a grace. I want to share with us this morning an update um, 
from Naeem and Irene Chaudhry. And it's, it's just so cool how appropriately timed this is. Um, this is what it's all about. So many of you know we, we've, as a church, have been supporting uh, them as they go and minister there. And, and even at the start of this pandemic, um, we, we sent a bunch of money to get people food uh, over in Pakistan. And it's a, it was an awesome opportunity to bless the church there. So we've been supporting uh, this church. We helped uh, finance and helped with a building there. Um, and they're meeting in that building. They've been in there for about a year now. And um, they just had a baptism service. And, and it's so cool. I, love, I got some pictures for you to see. We, they had a baptism service. So this, this is the pastor. His name is Mushtaq. And I'm a guy from Canada trying to pronounce his name. But Mushtaq. And uh, Na- ask Naeem how to say it right. But, but this man, he's in Pakistan. And, and he has over five churches that he's pastoring right now. He's pastoring these churches, and he drives around on, the, on this uh, motorcycle, and he drives around to all these different places, different days of the week, and he's ministering to people. Um, Naeem told me, uh, <laughs> so he just drives this motorcycle. Naeem told me that um, when they were building the church, he uh, got his motorcycle taken away because he, was, he had an extension ladder on his motorcycle while they were <laughs> taking it to build the church. I just... I don't know. I think that's a funny picture. It's pretty intense. So this guy's committed. And this guy, um, I just love, I love this picture and just praying over, over people and praising God. And there are, I share this because lives are being transformed in this place. Lives are being transformed in a place where, where it is not necessarily popular to be a Christian. These folks are experiencing freedom through repentance and a soft heart. And so they're baptizing people. They're baptizing people into the same family as you and me. Isn't that good? I love this one. Look at the joy on his face. It's so good. Folks, keep praying for the lost in our community. We need to baptize people. Look at what what is happening over there. It's incredible. I love the joy on his face. People are getting baptized, young, old, doesn't matter. And then here, here's a picture of the, of the church, and they're worshiping. I love just they're packed in there, and they're worshiping God. Man, these are folks that have experienced freedom in Christ because his righteousness can become ours because Jesus has fulfilled. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. So as we close today, as we close today, I really want you this week to take away, perhaps every morning you wake up, every morning you wake up and you say, God, I want you to reveal to me today any time that I am headed down a path that I need to turn around and get back on track with you. I'm not talking about the so-called big sins. I'm talking about heart attitudes, bearing fruit of the Spirit. Ask Jesus to fill you with his Spirit this week. And as we close, we're going to pray for Mushtaq as he's ministering to so many in a hard place. And we're going to ask the Spirit to lead us to repentance, to give us soft hearts.
And though conviction of sin is painful at times, repent, rejoice, and allow the Lord to build your new life. Let's pray together. Father, that you would look upon your son who identified himself with sin and say, this is my son and I'm pleased with him. What a love you have for us. What a love you have for us. Jesus, I, sh- I just pray that you would show us, show us where we need to turn around. We know that you're gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. But Lord, before it's too late, we need to turn to you. We can do this throughout our walks with you. But Jesus, perhaps for the first time, in a real sense, perhaps you would show us. Jesus, I pray that you would break into homes, Holy Spirit, that you would bring conviction of sin in people's lives that are destroying them and set them free in the name of Jesus. That bondage would be broken, that deliverance from the evil one would be experienced and known and had deliverance in the name of Jesus. Deliverance from the evil one. And that we would repent and run to you, Jesus. Run to the one who fulfilled all righteousness. Run to the perfect, eternal Son of God. The man who came and never sinned and who went to a criminal's death. The one who was raised to life, ascended, and the one who's coming back. Who's coming back to rule this place. And you're coming back to restore it. And you're going to make a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to be amazing. And I want to be there. And I want everybody I know to come with me. Jesus, give us this heart. Give us this heart. And I pray that upon repentance in our own lives and together, upon repentance, we would see Holy Spirit power in your church. Moving in power in our lives. Changing us from the inside out but then also sending us out to minister by the gifts that you so graciously give, drawing people to you for your glory, for your fame. Jesus, I pray that for us, and I also pray that for Mershtag and all the churches that he ministers to. God, for Holy Spirit power to be known and realized in them for true repentance. Jesus, I bless them. I pray for strength, perseverance, and a holding fast for that body over there. Thank you for the rejoicing we can do for for souls coming into your kingdom. Jesus, thank you that you invite each and every one of us and you have a great plan and purpose. We love you. We praise you. You are our King, our Lord, our Savior. Go before us this day, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go.